Welcome back to season three of the Chase Brewster Show. I am your host, Chase Brewster. Today we have a very, very, very special guest, someone who I am honored to call a friend, a mentor, uh, someone who I have called many times for advice, uh, someone who never answers when I call the first time, someone <laughs> who is uh, always open to everybody uh, in our area uh, to pick their brain and to pick ours, and, and someone who is made baseball in the state of Arkansas uh, as a whole better. Uh, someone who has made the university, uh, although he's not an alumni, you would never know it. He, he eats, sleeps, and breathes the university's colors. Uh, and someone who's just made baseball as a whole better. Uh, someone who I am very thankful for, uh, very thankful to come on this show. Today's guest is none other uh, than someone I, again, I consider a great friend, SAU Mule Rider head coach, Justin Pettigrew. How are you doing today, coach? Man, doing great, Chase. Uh, thank you for the kind words. Uh, everything is right back at you with that. Um, our relationships come a long way over the years. And, um, you know, remember those days early in your coaching career, early in my coaching career here at Southern Arkansas. And, man, I'm, I'm excited to be on here today and, and can't wait to just share, you know, some stories back and forth with you today. Well, I got to thank Justin Caples, you know, as I've been begging these guys to come on the show uh, for season three, we've, we've got some really, uh, really spectacular guests lined up for season three that the world doesn't know about yet. But as I was getting these SEC guys kind of lined up, I was having a lot of trouble with, uh, you know, GAC coach of the year, Justin Pettigrew, uh, you know, and Justin Caples got that done. So I got to thank him because uh, it was a lot more trouble to get you on than some of these other guys that were uh i figured would be prima donna so uh, i know you're a little podcast shy you don't like talk, talking about yourself a lot what you've done in beautiful magnolia arkansas has been incredible um you followed in the footsteps of some real legends uh you guys have built something in, in magnolia that that um very few guys uh you know can compete with across the country in any any kind of classification so kind of want to pick your brain on that on, and you know in your playing career and, and kind of your upbringing and I think it's a very good story to tell and we'll kind of jump right into it I mean you you fit the bill of of what I kind of built this podcast around everybody wants to be Mike Trout they they want to be Deion Sanders they want to be Otani but at the core Justin Pettigrew is a, a I believe a left-handed pitcher is that right Yes, yeah. Um, actually played a little two-way in high school, had a chance to play two-way in college as well, but left-handed pitcher is where I ended up landing. Um, wasn't anything special, man. You know, the soft lefty that, you know, typical soft lefty. I loved Tom Glavin growing up, and that was kind of who I tried to tried to be like. Um, you know, you mentioned Deion Sanders and guys like that. Um, I tried to be Tom Glavin if I could. Uh, obviously didn't have that great command. Velocity jumped a little bit as I got older, but was just a good high school player and a good college player. Nothing special at all. 
So, you know, you were one of those typical two-way guys that, that coaches lie to and tell them how they'll get to, you know, two-way in college and you, you end up being a, being a left-handed starter. Um, but, but you know, again, I, I talk about Trout and Dion and all those guys. I mean, your story is what every kid, you know, could be. It's a lot more realistic. You were a left-handed arm from Lake Hamilton, a very, very uh, rich and historic baseball a community you end up playing at, at Bossier Parish you play at Connor State and you you end up being a wonder boy at Arkansas Tech a very realistic uh kind of career for anybody right now that's in the state of Arkansas you, you kind of jumped around you tried to find your niche um kind of take us through your career um Blake Hamilton's obviously known for for putting out really good players every every couple of years and uh, you kind of fit that mold and and take us through the Bossier and the Connors run obviously um, I don't know if you played for Voracek or not. I don't know if, if Czech was there, but you did not. That was before Czech. No. Yep, I, that was before Voracek. Yeah, I'm old, man. I'm old. Well, Voracek was there forever. It feels like. So. Yeah, he was. I kinda, he was. I got. I got to be good. Good friends with him over the years. He's an awesome guy. We're uh, a couple years ago. I'll tell you this real quick. I normally don't go down memory lane, but we're playing in Fort Myers in the freshman. Uh, maybe freshman WWBA, we're in like a consolation game, like an awful situation. And we're playing against this team with pink uniforms. We go to the home plate meeting, whatever. This guy keeps staring at me. And I, it's very awkward, like much bigger than me, much taller than me, much older than me. <laughs> so we do the home plate meeting. The guy keeps staring me down. Well, we're in third base dugout because, you know, I always try to get third base dugout for obvious reasons. Oh, oh, so yeah. we're home We're home team. He comes to coach third. And, I mean, finally, I mean, this big old voice, I mean, he was like, you don't know who I am, do you? And I mean, immediately I was like, that's damn Voracek. Yep. I mean, I was like, coach, what are you doing coaching the 14 U WWBA? Well, anyway, I mean, he, he just, I guess he's coaching high school ball in Florida now. That was the last yep. time I saw him a couple years ago. So, yeah. uh, but anyway, man, Lake Hamilton grad, uh, take us through, I don't know which one was first, Bozier or Connors, but take us through that run and how you ended up being a wonder boy. Yeah, man. So, uh, obviously Lake Hamilton had some really good young players, uh, or, Players that I watched, uh, Alan McDill, left-handed pitcher that went on and played pro ball, Justin Crablin, a right-handed pitcher that went on and played pro ball from Lake Hamilton. And I kind of got to see what it was like for those guys to work. And, uh, man, I'm, I'm not going to lie. If it wasn't for my dad, there's no telling where I would be right now. Uh, worked his butt off every single day, working multiple jobs to make ends meet for me and my family. And uh, never one time did I ever ask, like, hey, I want to go hit or I want to go throw. And he said no. And so that's kind of where it all started. Uh, watching guys, um, you know, obviously my dad laying that foundation for me, showing me what hard work looked like, um, showing me what it was like to go and get something. Nobody was ever going to give it to you. And so um, worked my butt off to try to, you know, be the best player and best teammate I could possibly be. Uh, young and dumb, you know, out of high school, thought that I needed to be at, Arizona State or Arkansas, you know, University of Arkansas or Oklahoma State or something like that. Um, 6'2", 155 pounds when I graduated high school, low 80s lefty. Obviously, I had a, a misconception of who I was. Um, luckily, Bossier Parish Community College took a shot on me. Uh, went down there, played my freshman year and um, pitched some big games. Did well some, did terrible some, um, and then moved on to Connor State. Connor State was a place that I to be honest with you, wanted to go out of high school, but Perry Keith was honest with me and told me that I uh, had 13 pitchers coming back. And, um, yeah, I, I wanted to get on the field just like everybody does. And so 
I, I rode up to Connor State my second year and got out there on the field, didn't pitch a whole lot, um, pitched in a couple of roles here and there. And uh, But that's where I learned that I wanted to coach college baseball. Um, for two years, I was looking like I was going to do something with business, didn't really know what I was wanting to do. And sitting in the dugout and listening to Perry Keith and, and being around him, my dad gave me some uh, gave me some good words when I went up there. He's like, "Hey, if you can bleep out the cuss words, you're going to learn more in baseball or about baseball in that one year than you probably have your whole life." And I learned a ton from him. Um, really, like I said, sparked that fire. He gave me a little bit of responsibility when I was a player, uh, doing some coaching things there, kind of and, and getting my feet wet because he knew that you know I wanted to do that, and so. That's where it all started. Uh, then transferred to Arkansas Tech, Dale Harpino. Um, grateful for him giving me an opportunity to go up and, and play for Arkansas Tech and start my career there, be able to play close to my family you know, from Hot Springs. And, you know, that being not being far from Russellville, it was nice for my family to be able to come and watch me play. Um, you know, played up there, played for Billy Goss uh, my last couple of years. And so it was one of those where – was a decent player, weekend starter um, for two years, and uh, won some big games. Pitched like crap, half you know, half of those games. Pitched really well, half of those games. And uh, college career took me where where you know it 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 fell. Uh, but man, I was I was grateful for those guys giving me an opportunity. And and to be honest, if it wasn't for baseball, I probably wouldn't have went to college. I probably would have just worked a nine to five. There's nothing wrong with that. But I didn't really like school that much. But luckily baseball opened my eyes to what my education brought for the future and then now of course I've been been good enough to finish my education that I've been able to stay in college baseball. So you graduate from Arkansas Tech in 2000 right uh, which just to point out for the listeners I was still in middle school um, <laughs> and then you start coaching at Arkansas Tech in yep. 01 is that correct? Yeah, 01 was my first spring. Uh, funny thing is, I was actually the hitting coach my first year. Went straight from being a player um, and being more of a pitcher than anything. And then my first year, uh, we had a pitching coach that was there that was my pitching coach, Brad Payton. And Billy Goss, like I said, gave me the first opportunity to coach college baseball and asked me if I wanted to do that. Um, did, of course, and uh, took that responsibility and man, I tried to be the best hitting coach I could possibly be in a year. How awful then, was that? Uh, honestly, it wasn't. I, I loved it just because I'd always had a passion for um, all facets of the game, and I knew I wanted to be a head coach one day. And so just being thrown in the fire, Coach Goss gave me a lot of responsibility early. Uh, again, I was a young, dumb coach, thought I you know knew a lot more than I did. Um, but my energy level was good. I worked my butt off with guys and tried to make them better, tried to make our team better. Uh, I loved it. I mean, I wasn't married, didn't have kids. So, you know, I was up there throwing the guys all the time in the indoor and, and working and doing everything. And, um, then of course, uh, my next four years, I was the pitching coach transferred or transferred from the hitting coach to the pitching coach. And, uh, got to work, you know, those last years there, but it was, it was a blast coaching the offense, man. It, it really was. And, and doing that, it was, uh, you know, pitching's kind of boring at times. I joke about that cause I did it for so long, but man, it was, it was fun working with hitters. Take me through the transition. You're, you're, in, you know, at this point, just knowing the little bit I know about the GAC at this point, you've played at Arkansas tech for two years. You've been a coach there for four maybe five, um, 
SAU comes open, you go straight from Arkansas Tech to SAU. I mean, do you have a hatred toward SAU at this point? I mean, you can say whatever you want on the record, but I mean, like, it's not a like SAU is not a really light program from outside the the, the great state of <laughs> great city of Magnolia. I mean, how does that work? Who, who's that? Who's there? Gum there? I guess. Yeah. Enough? Well, so. I had known Gum since I guess I was 15 from playing American Legion ball and watching him, you know, sprint from dugout to third base and, and to first base and do all that. And man, I I love that guy. Um, you know, he was an assistant coach at Southern Arkansas at the time. The rumor was the coach Godfrey, Mike Godfrey was the head coach at the time. Rumor was he was going to get out and coach Gum was going to be the head coach. I'll never forget. We were down here at Southern Arkansas playing. And I was the pitching coach at, at Arkansas Tech, and um, Coach Gum and I were leaning up against the wall over by the you know by the dugout. And we're talking, and next thing I just told him, I said, "Listen, you don't have to answer this. Rumor is you're going to be the next head coach at Southern Arkansas. If you need a pitching coach, I'd love to work with you." Um, and really, the rest is history, you know. And so I've been down here for a long time. There was never really a hatred. Uh, it was one of those things where. Uh, watching, you know, as a as a player, watching Coach Goodhart go to work and how that program was ran and and just man, how they did went about their business, and then coaching against them over the years and and watching Coach Godfrey do his thing and then getting a chance to to work with Coach Gum, man, it seemed like a a great place to work. Uh, I wasn't really fond of Magnolia, Arkansas when I first got here. I told Coach Gum that uh, coming from Hot Springs, Magnolia is really slow for me. And I didn't know how long I'd be here. I said, man, I don't know if I can do this very long. I'll probably only be here a year or two. And he just kind of laughed at me and said, wait till the spring. Wait till you see the support in the community. Uh, wait till, you know, baseball when you actually get to taste baseball here. And uh, he said, you never know. You may meet some girl from Magnolia and be here a little longer than you thought. And uh, I should have taken him to the boats. We should have went and won a lot of money, you know, that night because he was he was right. Uh, just finished my 18th year down here at Southern Arkansas. And, Man, it's been a great place for me, for sure, and my family. At times, do you forget that you're alumni of Arkansas Tech? No, I don't forget that. I don't forget that. Really? I mean, it, it's one, it's one of those. Uh, it's it's tough because I, I mean, being alumni, I want those guys to do really well. I've got a, a lot of respect for Coach Dawson and how he does things. Had a lot of respect for Coach Goss, obviously, when he was there. But man, when it when it's go time and they say play ball, like. Uh, we're trying to beat whoever it is, you know, and then when sure. it's when that's over with, then it's time to be friends again and, you know, all that stuff. But no, it it's it it's tough, you know, because being in, in the conference and and being somewhere that you loved for, you know, playing time and then coaching there for five years and then coming to another place that uh, welcomed me with open arms and then has been nothing but great for our family. Uh, it. It is a little tough to balance that at times, but man, I believe blue, just like you said, opening, you know, opening up and Southern Arkansas is where I'm at. And man, I, I love it down here. So you get, you get to SAU at what year? Uh, fall of 2005. So yeah, spring of 2006 was my first year coaching here. And gum was the head coach then? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So first what a year, run that was, was. That was his first year as head coach. So, so give me, give me that staff. You gum. Me, yeah, me, Gum Browning, Victor Duke uh, was a coach with us. Trevor Orr was a coach with us. Those were the five uh, that Victor Duke's still around working at Southern Arkansas, uh, one of my good friends, and actually was really good for me um, 
you know, coming here just because Coach Gum was married and had a family. Coach Browning was married and had a family, and I wasn't married. And so it's one of those things where a guy like Victor Duke that still to this day is a really good friend uh, took me under the wing, showed me the ropes here at Southern Arkansas. But, man, I can't say enough about that staff. I mean, Coach Gum, just the energy level that he brought every single day. And, uh, man, I learned so much from him uh, as far as being a coach, being a man, and uh, developing relationships and a strong character that he has. And so it was uh, it was really, really good for me, uh, for my career. Luckily, God put me in the right spot at the right time, and I got to work with a guy like Alan Gum. So you get there in 06. What what year is the, the number one in the country year? Uh, I guess 08. Yeah, 08. So 06, uh, we won the first Gulf South Conference championship in school history. Um, SAU had been Division II since 1996 and had not won a conference championship. We won in 06, uh, went to a regional the second time in school history. SAU went in 2004 and then in 2006. So you know, going in, uh, didn't really know what to expect. I knew we were going to be pretty solid. I knew we had a good staff, and I knew we were going to work our butts off to see what happened. But, you know, coming out with a conference championship in 06, I got spoiled. You know, year one, you do it, go to a regional and, you know, win over 40 games and then turn around in 07 and went over 40 games. And uh, there were multiple teams that got left out of the regional that year. We were included. And then 08, uh, I think we won 40 six games or something like that number one in the country and uh then you know we led the country in wins in 09 with 52 wins 2010 coach gums last year uh you know one game away from the world series so a lot of a lot of wins a lot of good memories a lot of you know great relationships built over those five years that coach gum was the head coach but man it was a blast is 10 the year that simpson was the runner-up for player of the year yeah yeah, he was the nat. Well, you know, they did the. It was weird. So they did the national player of the year, and then they did the national pitcher of the year, and then they had like the Tino Martinez award or something like that. He was the uh, runner-up for that, I believe. But he was national pitcher of the year, uh, you know, there in, in ten. And uh, yeah, I had to. I had a had a front row seat watching that guy go thirty-five and two over his career. He was fun to watch. So how special? Do you tell me? Take me through that recruiting process. Obviously, Hayden was a. Um, you know, Hayden was a, was a local kid, you know, that was before my time. Um, Mm -hmm. I was still in high school, like me and Hayden might be the same age actually. Um, but there was no sticks around back then, you know, recruiting was different and social media was non-existent, but you know, who, who were y'all battling to get Hayden? And I mean, just take me through that whole process. Man, to be honest with you, Coach Gum led that process, uh, just because he had had a relationship with Mr. Simpson and kind of got to know them. Um, Going through the recruiting process, though, it seemed like Hayden was a small-town kid, wanted to um, be home with family, be close to friends, and really just make a name for himself. And uh, that's kind of how, how that shook out. We were excited. I know uh, sitting in the office and with Coach Gum, Coach Browning, and the and the other guys, you know, sitting around. And, and when we got that, got that, you know, thumbs up that he was coming to SAU, we're excited for sure. We didn't realize that he was going to go 35-2 and two and be a first-round draft pick, but we knew he was going to be special in the Mule Rider jersey. Yeah, he definitely needs a needs a statue built around there. Yeah. He, uh, I'll tell you what, man, changed. and the, the thing that a lot of people don't know about him just because they didn't get to see him every day, he is still to this day – I mean, I've been doing this for 23 years, getting ready to start my 24th year of coaching college baseball, and to this day he's the hardest-working player I've ever been around. Like – 
talented. Don't get me wrong. Uh, hated to lose more than he loved to win. And I think that's what drove him. Uh, but man, you talk about work, work ethic. He's, he's the hardest working guy I've ever been around as far as baseball. Somebody just told me maybe this week, I just heard he took a new college job. Maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't heard for sure. I knew there were some rumblings out there and, uh, hadn't heard for sure, you know, on exactly what's going on with, with that. And, uh, need to check in with him and make sure, you know, what he's finalized. Yeah, I, forgot. I, I just had somebody tell me he took their pitching job, but I forgot. I, I don't really honestly. Yeah. He'll do a good job. Summer, we're, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's, he's, he's phenomenal person. Um, yeah, so 10 gum leaves, you got, I mean, you guys are running on, on what's gotta be considered on one of the best runs and yes. not only the division two history, but really just college baseball. I mean, you guys are doing, I mean, just win after win and draft picks. And at this point, all 30 teams are out. I'm assuming in nine and ten to watch Hayden. Right. Um, Eleven is when Brownie becomes head coach. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. Yeah, so we had uh, so 2009. I think we had uh, five guys or four guys off of that team that got a chance to play pro ball. 2010, we had seven. Um, you know, include I think five draft picks and two free agents. So uh, yeah, we were rolling. I think Gum's winning percentage was like seven sixty-five, seven seventy, something like that. Just insane. Um, but man, you know, worked his butt off to get to where he was, and and just built on the foundation that Coach Goodhart, you know, laid for everybody. So Gum's out in ten. Then the Browning Air comes. There, there's yep. a lot of success in the Browning right. Air. Yes. And I guess that goes 2010 to 2017. At what point did Coach Brownie become the athletic director? Oh, man, you're going to put me you put me on Front Street with this one. I can't remember right off the top of my head. I want to say 2000, fall of 2011, spring of 2012, maybe. Oh, so, so he was doing it most of the time. Yeah, most of the time he was athletic director. Um, you know, and I, I still to this day don't know how he did it. Um, you know, the pressure of just being a baseball coach at Southern Arkansas – and living up to the expectations and doing it over and over and over each year is hard enough. But then also running an athletic program and doing, um, doing what he's done as an athletic director. I mean, our, our sports, our facilities, just the, everything around here boomed, you know, when he got in, got in office, quote unquote office, uh, and he's done an outstanding job. And man, you look at, his first year, you know, wins the last uh, Gulf South Conference championship in SAU history because, you know, we moved on to the Great American Conference and then uh, 12, 13, 14, 15 Great American Conference championships, you know, and um, I guess the last year, you know, we didn't win it his last year. So you look at it, I think five out of six years uh, winning championships. So talk about a statue that guy won a ton of games and a lot of big games too. So – the moment of truth, and, and I know you got a uh, – you don't like talking about yourself, and I get all that stuff. I need you to be honest with me here. In 2017, was it a lock that you were going to be the next head coach to replace? Brandon, did you know? Was it a was it a lengthy uh, interview process? Were you getting nervous? <laughs> I didn't know for sure that it was a lock. Uh, coach Browning let us know, uh, let myself and Coach Anderson know, our pitching coach now, uh, he let us know, I think, with about a month or a month and a half um, left in the season that uh, it was going to be his last season and he was going to focus solely on being the athletic director. Uh, he had talked to me about being the next head coach, and I assumed, uh, obviously, if it was offered to me, I wasn't turning it down. 
and uh, been waiting on that moment and, and got a chance to see, you know, Coach Gum do his thing, Coach Browning do his thing, and just really trying to build on what those guys did. But really, Steve Goodhart, you know, that's the that's the one everybody's kind of chasing just because of what he's done and uh, what he did with as little of resources as Southern Arkansas had. Man, it was outstanding. But but yeah, it was one of those where I, I figured I was next in line, and uh, luckily, you know, got the thumbs up on the job, and I've been here ever since. It's it's weird because you always hear that they're all that SAU only hires alumni. So yeah, uh, you know, I, uh, I that that is kind of weird because you look at the look at the run. I mean, it it was that way for a long time, and um, I didn't I didn't really know how alumni was going to take me. Uh, just being an Arkansas Tech Wonder Boy, you know, and so it was. I knew that I was going to work my butt off to make alumni proud. I knew our players and our coaches were going to do, they're going to play the game the right way and, and work the work the game the right way and do everything to make those guys proud. But I didn't, I really didn't know how I was going to be accepted as far as the next head coach, man, he's not a true SAU guy. He didn't play here. And, you know, all those things, I'll be honest, those things were in my head. And uh, I had multiple alumni, Kyle Slayton, Jonathan, Orr, you know, a bunch of uh, Tommy Richardson, a bunch of guys that, uh, just let me know how excited they were, you know, when I got the job and ready to see what I could do. Of course, Alan Gum and Steve Browning, you know, and Steve Goodhart, those those three guys following them. But those guys being alumni and, and having my back, it, it meant a lot to me and, and just letting letting us go out there and try to build on the successes that were that were laid before us. And that's what we're trying to do every single day. But, man, like I said, I, I didn't know how it was going to be, you know, how I was going to be accepted if there were going to be some rumblings that, since Southern Arkansas had been, you know, where it's okay, they play here, then they coach here, and then they're the head coach. How many times have you got the? Uh, how many times have you got the call from Steve Goodhart that goes, "Hey, this this how this isn't how we did things in my day." Uh, I'll say this, man. Coach Goodhart comes around a lot. Matter of fact, we had camp today, and he was out there. Um, I tell our players and our coaches like the worst thing that I can possibly do or the worst that I will possibly feel as a coach is when I feel like we let him down. And so uh, he comes around a lot um, for, for a guy that never played for coach Goodhart. I feel like I did play for coach Goodhart because he's been a huge mentor for me and, and helping me through this process, transitioning from assistant coach to head coach, really even transitioning from when I came from Arkansas Tech to Southern Arkansas. He was a guy that was uh, very big for me to be able to have somebody that I could talk about the history with and and learn, you know, just not just about the game itself, but learn about the people that had put the uniform on before me. And so, uh, man, he, he comes around a lot. I love our relationship. Um, he's, he's so laid back now. It, it's funny, you know, from watching him coach, uh, to where he is now. He's so laid back now. And, you know, he's so humble. He's a guy that, I mean, you win 764 games in your career and, and you do it with, like I said, very little resources. I mean, they didn't have an outfield fence when he was coaching at time, you know, early in his coaching career and stuff like that. And to do what he did, he's so humble. You would never know, you know, what all he's done as a coach and what all he's done for baseball and all the people that he's touched, you know, through being coach here at Southern Arkansas. All right, 2017, the Justin Pettigrew era begins 
life gets a little bit easier because you have GAC Player of the Year and Trevor Rucker back. Uh, also have future GAC Player of the Year, Jacob Richardson, <laughs> on that team. And was uh, Hunter Velasquez on that team too? Yeah, Hunter, yeah, Hunter Vasquez was on that team as well. Uh, he was. And you know, was Blake Hall on that team too? Blake Hall was on that team as well. Yes. Who was yeah. GAC Freshman of the Year? So you got a yeah. good, pretty good, got a pretty good hand given to you there. Yeah, we you did. You didn't walk into an empty, empty cupboard. Yeah, no, we, we, I didn't, I didn't walk into an empty cupboard, and that was something that um, I was, I was happy. Don't get me wrong, we did some late recruiting. Uh, in May when it was announced and through some junior college transfers and some stuff like that to, to pad our lineup a little bit and pad our rotation. But, um, there were some really including good... Jacob, Jacob, yeah. Jacob was a late addition. Yeah, he was, he was, I mean, we added, um, you know, Mark Fontenot, um, that ended up hitting in the three hole for us that year. We added uh Corlin McPherson late. We added our catcher late. We, you know, uh, added a couple arms here and there late and really, we had some good pieces in place. Um, they just needed to be better. And you look at a guy like Trevor Rucker that had a really good career. Um, but man, what a what a senior year! Holy cow! Like uh, just great player. Big moment after big moment after big moment. Him and Jacob were really fun to watch, just because they were good friends and and just battled it out. Um, matter of fact, I believe on the road, like when we'd put them in a room together. Uh, we'd have three to a room, and whoever had the best weekend got the bed by themselves. So that was one of those mm. things that they they did that on their own, and uh, they just worked their butts off with Craig Perry, our hitting coach. Which man, I can't say enough about that guy. He made my life, you know, extremely easy in my first year as a head coach. And then same thing with Adam Anderson, uh, as far as our pitching coach. And both of those guys made my transition from assistant to head very easy. But a lot of talented players just uh, you know makes that job a lot easier too. Isn't the old story goes that you had to come to Jesus meeting with Trevor Rooker during the season or before the season started, then all of a sudden you look up and he's JC player of the year. We, it wasn't really, I mean, to be honest with you, Trevor, he was a guy that played the game hard. He worked, man, he did everything right. He was a, he was a great player already, but I did, I did punch him in our, in the face with some hard truth. I was like, listen, man, you've been really good, but you've never been great. Like you haven't been all region. You haven't been all American. Like you put up good numbers, but like it's time. And, uh, with, with him and Craig Perry's relationship, you know, it took a little, little bit for, uh, them to gel. And once they did, uh, man, you, the, the rest is in the record books. And so Trevor, Trevor really, really, um, just as far as the leadership that he took over his senior year and, and I mean, playing hurt that guy, that's what people don't understand. That guy put up those numbers. He almost hit 400, he had 20 doubles, he had 20 home runs. He stole 20 bases. I think he had 18 stolen bases in like March 14th and then had a quad injury and we, we didn't run him. Like, I mean, late in the game, it was like Rucker, you're going to play right field and then you're going to get your last at bat. And we're going to take you out that, you know, and try to save you. But his main tool was his speed and, and athleticism. And so that was the thing. If he would have been healthy, that guy would have stole 40 bases that year. I mean, he stole two in the in the regional in the very last game to get to 20. And that was the only time we had attempted a steal with him since like early March, early middle March. So as crazy as his year was, if he would have been healthy, there's no telling what he would have done. 
the crazy thing about Trevor is, I mean, coaching against him, you know, for four years at Genoa when he's at Prescott, I mean, he had like one swing and hit against us, you know, not that he wasn't a good player. He was, you know what I'm saying? But he was a shortstop on an awful team. He wasn't a shortstop, you know, so it's like, then you look up and he's the, you know, D2 player of the year. And it's like, you know, you put him in the out, you put a, you put a, you put a great athlete that's not a shortstop on a bad team in the outfield on a great team. And now he's the player of the year around some great coaches. Yeah. It really changed my eyes to when you start looking at recruiting and, you know, quit looking at what kids are, look at what they can be. I tell people all the time, Trevor Rucker to me is, he did steal home against us twice. He made his ball both times. Um, But uh, yeah, you talk, I mean, Trevor Rucker and Cannon Lester, those two guys, you know, you talk about mule rider greats, um, Man, both of those guys, as far as careers, looking at them, not heavily touted, and look at what they did in their careers, and it was it was one of those things that was fun to watch, and uh, they earned every single bit of it. They worked their butt off to get there, to get in the lineup as freshmen, and never losing the job, and making us better as you know as coaches. Um, you know, working with guys like that and watching them develop, man, just the the relationship and, you know, that, that we built, uh, I still kid with Trevor all the time, obviously, you know, Cannon coaching now we, we joke around all the time as well, but like I text Rucker, uh, back when McGee tied his record for home runs. And, um, of course, immediately he texts back and was like, COVID year doesn't count. So then I had to share his at bats, you know, and show him that, he, that McGee had like 200 less at bats than Rucker did. Mm. So he's like, okay, never mind, I'll calm down. So, um, now Trevor was a great player. Um, like I said, made my job easier, uh, would have been the best center fielder in the league. Uh, but Southern Arkansas, man, here, the, the sun field and right field is, uh, it's tough. And to be honest with you, scouts were asking me, why didn't he play center? I was like, because he's our best center fielder, but he is hands down our best right fielder. And we have no one else that can play right field the way he does. And games are won and lost in right field at this place. And so, uh, he was he was humble enough to he would still tell you today, man, I should have I should have been playing center field every day. But uh, he was humble enough to to go with my decision, never bucket and and get after it, you know, out on the field and be the right fielder for us those those years. Well, when you have guys like that, that's how you win championships. And that's what you guys did your first year. You go out, you win the JAC, you play in the Central Region Tournament. And you were named GAC Coach of the Year in your first year, which is awesome. Uh, next year, you finished forty-one and nineteen, which is even more incredible. Uh, you have the, the Player of the Year in Jacob Richardson, who to this day is one of the best players I've ever coached. Yep. I'm a hundred percent convinced that if somebody, and I mean this full heartedly, if Jacob Richardson would have had a chance to play pro ball, he would have hit his way to the big leagues. Uh, and I don't really care what anybody thinks. I believe that with all my heart. He was. I'm with you. Uh, yep. He was a good of offensive player um, that I've ever seen. Um, and I guess 18, would that have been the year that you guys played um, the team out of North Dakota in the Super Regionals? Uh, or in the that, regionals? Actually, yeah. 18 was still just the old school regional, the 18 regional. But, yes, we did. Um, came down to had to beat Augustana twice on championship day. Uh, we got them the first game, and then they got us the second game to go to the World Series, and they went on and won it. That's when Jacob hits the home run first. Yep. Yep. Shot hits, out of a cannon and then the Yeah, he hits a home run. I think in the uh, well, he hits a home run his last at bat. We we start the ninth God. inning with him hitting 
about 120 mile per hour. Actually, Sam mm-hmm. Merstick walks off, grinds in at bat. Uh, I think the dugout, the other dugout, thought we were going to bunt, and for some reason they threw Richardson a fastball, you know, to to get after, and we weren't bunting. And uh, he hit about 120 mile per hour line drive off our left center field wall to tie it up. And then Cortland McPherson on the next pitch hits a bomb to to put us ahead. Off the softball and, field. Yeah, yeah, that thing still hadn't landed, you know. And, uh, you know, anywhere from twelve to 1,500 people went nuts. And, uh, man, it was, it was a fun experience. But, no, Jacob, like, you want to talk about consistency. I mean, as far as hitters that I've coached and been around in the college game, uh, there's two. There's Cannon Lester and Trevor – or, excuse me, Trevor Rucker, of course, you know, with the numbers. But – Cannon Lester and Jacob Richardson, man, you knew what you were going to get every single at bat. Um, that's why we put him, you know, where we put him in the lineup. He was so consistent. Uh, you knew you were going to get a great at bat from him. He he was a great teammate, didn't mind walking, didn't mind sacrificing himself to do whatever. Uh, but, man, he was uh, – uh, I was glad that, you know, things didn't work out at UCA and we got a chance to coach him. There's this, you know, I'm coaching in the collegiate league and, and I'm at this point in my career where I really still want to be a college coach and kind of the niche for me is like, hey, coaching this collegiate league is going to be awesome. I got Tice at short. I got J- Jacob at second. There's they're hitting. There's like a hit and run maybe or still. I don't know. We'll get a ground ball to second. And I mean, like the kid is essentially already popping up on the back and where, J- where Jacob underhands it to second. And I'm like about to have a stroke. Of course, we get the force at second. So I'm still I'm still so mad that I'm about to hammer Jacob. But, you know, and you know better than me, Jacob's one of those ones it's hard to really ever get mad at him, oh, you yeah. know, as much as you want to. And I go to say something to him, and he goes, and before I can even get there, he goes, I had all the time in the world. And, and I just have to stop and go, he's right. I mean, he plays he plays second. I used to – and I maybe told you, I mean, he would play second like, like, like it was his spot. Like he was really good at third, obviously player of the year, probably could have played short for you guys or whatever. But, like, he played second as good as I've ever seen. Played first at UCA, whatever. Right. But, I mean, seriously, it's second. And, I mean, when you get the double feed from short, I mean, you go, like, hey, automatic double play. Yeah. Um, but, man, it just won. You know, I, I think about these kids that we have commit to all these schools. And, you know, I think about this and that. And I go, hey, none of them ever could hit like Jacob Richardson could. I mean, no, I, I don't think all have success and, you know, whatever. And I, I don't know if Jacob was robbed or these other kids are set up to fail. But it's somewhere along the line. The system has been broke, but it worked oh, yeah. out really good for the Mule Riders. Well, before we move on to 19, not that 19 was worth talking about for you, to be honest with you, but, um, <laughs> you know, I, this is a real question that I have for you. Um, at what point does the job get exhausting when you have kids like Jacob Richardson or Will Richardson, which those two have been a blessing for the Mule Riders <laughs> way, way, way before those two were born? Because Tommy, I think, was an All-American but oh, how yeah, many times point. do you have the have these families, the Riley Ors, the you know, now Kyle's got kids that are graduating in Slayton and, and the Tommy Stewart's of the world. How many, you know, there's just so many families that bleed Magnolia Blue. Um how how often, you know, and by now, twenty years in for you, you know, you know the players, you know the names, you see the pictures, the Tommy Stewart breaking the hit record. How long did it take you to realize who were the real, you know, born and bred Robbie Beeson's of the world to know that like, Hey, we probably need to recruit their son. Hey, we probably need to take this call. I mean, that that's a real thing with, with as much tradition and, and prestige as the mill riders. I mean, at what point does it become exhausting to kind of have to do some homework to know so-and-so's dad was all, you know, 
hey, this guy's related to Richie Kim, who played on the, you know, 95 right. AIC team. I mean, yeah, how much I'm, effort goes into that stuff? Man, it's one of those where, I mean, you mentioned Tommy Stewart and, you know, Slayton. When I get a phone call or a text from those guys, I mean, it's a no-doubter. I mean, Tommy Stewart sent us Brett McGee. And, uh, you know, and Kyle Slayton's going to send us great players. He's done it before. And so you look up and all those guys, the good thing is, is like I've got a great support group with Coach Goodhart, Coach Browning, Coach Gum that, you know, played here and they know more people than I do and, and everything like that. So uh, it it's always fun going back and looking at the history of things. I mean, we had a baseball camp today and uh, funny thing is there was a guy that went to high school with me and uh, he was two years older than me. And I actually got my first high school start because he was sick, got off the bus. And, uh, but his kid was here uh, today, you know, so I've, I've gotten to see that. I've seen, you know, I've, I've seen guys that, you know, came to our little brother, mule rider, little brother program that worked all the way up and, you know, played for us. Uh, we've got guys, you know, that are going to continue to do that. So it's fun to to have the, the history and tradition uh, that we have. And then also, like I said, you want to take those phone calls. You want to, you want to help those people as much as you can, because it does mean a lot to them. I mean, I was from Hot Springs, Arkansas, didn't know anything about Southern Arkansas University. And so before I got here, you know, I didn't realize how thick the pride was, you know, for here. And so you want people in your program that are that are prideful and, and they want to take it serious. They've seen the ups and downs and ins and outs and, you know, all the glory that this uh, program has had. And so it means a lot to those guys. So you want to take those phone calls and you want to make sure that, you know, you you do what's right for them. And, uh, you know, hopefully it ends up working out on the field and they have a great experience and, you know, build relationships and, and buy into the culture and um, a lot of wins to come with it. But yeah, man, you, you definitely want, you want those people in your corner. You want to take those phone calls because like I said, the, the history was laid way before I was here, you know, Southern Arkansas, I tell people all the time, Southern Arkansas has won long before I was here. They're winning right now and they're going to win long after I'm gone. So, uh, you know, you, that about yeah, I'll tell you what's so funny to me is like, so Tommy Stewart now coaches for us. Yeah. And like yeah. Share, shared a house in Jupiter with Tommy. And, and I just, I knew it, you know, I knew, but like five days later, it kind of hit me. And I was like, Kyle, that's the same Tommy Stewart that holds the damn hit record at SAU. <laughs> and he's like, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, as he's doing Bible study every morning, I'm like, that's the Tommy Stewart that could yep. still hit for us today. Oh yeah. He's like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. just awesome, man. It's it's yeah. funny to me. Um, so we'd be a lot better if he could hit for us. I promise you. Y'all I guarantee too, you. Hey, I guarantee yeah. you that the competitive fire is still there too. I watched him coach like a a twelve U game uh, that I think it was twelve U that his son's on, and uh, it's still definitely in there for sure. Coach, twenty nineteen um, bad year in the portal, bad year somewhere. Um, didn't didn't go good, but twenty twenty, obviously COVID sucked, but it really sucked for the Mule Riders because you had things yeah. rolling nineteen and four. Um, Felt like it would have been one of those years for you. Felt like things would have yeah, went good. I, I do. Hey, man, and, and go back to nineteen. Like, okay, um, you know, because I, I mean, I learned from everything. You know, I learned what I want to do, learned what I don't want to do. We had some injuries that a uh, little bit of adversity. You know, no excuses by any means. But the the reason why I always talk about two thousand nineteen is because it shows where our program is. We finished second in the Great American Conference and like people acted like we finished in like last place. And so that for me, um, you know, it wasn't by any means our standards and 
we had to uh, be honest, we had to reevaluate some things and uh, I had to give some hard truths, not only to myself, but our other coaches. And we went about some things a little bit differently. Uh, but man, if it wasn't for 2019, there's no telling, you know, what the future would have looked like. So those bumps in the road and it wasn't because guys weren't working. It wasn't because we didn't have talent. It just didn't line up. And uh, I didn't have my best coaching effort. We didn't play the best that we needed to play or didn't play, you know, like we needed to play. And so it was a great learning experience, but I always love that, man. There's a lot of programs in the country that would sign up for 29 wins and finish second in conference. And no uh, doubt. yeah. And for us, man, it was an absolute failure, you know, as far as what our program's built on, what my expectations are, what the expectations are around here. And so I like to talk about that. You know, I don't, I don't want to skip over it because that, that made things, you know, don't get me wrong. It wasn't like it was easy, but I think we won 80, you know, 80 games in my first two years as head coaching. And it was a punch in the face to, to not do what we had been doing. And so uh, that, that propelled us into, like I said, 2020, uh, you talked about that. We're 19 and four. I think we're ranked number two in the country at, uh, at some point. Um, and yeah, we were rolling uh, a guy like Brett McGee, you know, 440 or something like that with nine home runs and 23 games. Um, I hate it for our program, you know, because I think we would have had a, a chance to do, you know, really special things, but I hate it even more for the guys that were putting up crazy years, you know, and just to see what they could have done. But uh, it is what it is. It happened and um, we moved on and, and we were better for it. Well, SAU's a little bit like Kentucky basketball. You know, it'd look a lot better if you put a hey, regular season runner-up next to this 2019 <laughs> season, but that's hey, not allowed. I don't want to participate. Yeah, I don't want a participation trophy. You know, my Ooh. my nine-year-old, uh, he gets it honestly from me. And so um, he finished second in flag football this year, and uh, he was not happy to receive second place. So let's just say that. So uh, I'm an only child. I don't like to share you know, anything like that. And so I want to, we want to be first, you know, if, if somebody's keeping score, well, we want to win. And so. Well, uh, unfortunately for you, not wanting to share anything. 2021 was not a good year for you because you shared, <laughs> no, the, regular, no. you shared yeah. the regular season championship in 2021. Yes. Uh, but, but had a good year right back on track. Things are rolling in Magnolia again, uh, which propelled for the historic, some would say the best year in school history. Uh, Steve's not going to listen to this, so I can say that. Um, <laughs> some would say the best year in school history in 2022. Uh, so while I have just a little bit of your time left, because I know you got stuff to do, take me through the 2022 year. When did you know this was going to be the run? How was it in Cary? How much – and you're lying if you say it wasn't, but at what point did you think, hell, this is a lot of pressure – uh, and, and when did you know, um, Hey, we might can do this, man. Uh, to be honest with you, I'd been a part of teams that I felt like were more talented. I mean, our 2009, our 2010 team, our 2013, um, our 2018 team, like we just didn't, we just didn't get the breaks, um, to go. I mean, I think in nine, 10, 13 and 18, if we'd have made it to the world series, I think we'd had a great chance to win it, but you know, that, that 2022 team, and you kind of joked about, you know, Coach Goodhart not going to be listening to this. There may be some guys from the 87 team that, you know, want to argue with us. But I do feel like, you know, where the state of baseball is now at the Division two level and uh, the talent that, 
is there. The the coaches that we go up against every single day, man, there's a lot of good coaches in our league, uh, in our region, in our nation. And you never know what it's going to look like until you, you know, until you put the jersey on and you hook it up against somebody else. But we felt in the fall uh, just by the expectations, the the leadership that our guys were showing, uh, really, it was it was a player led team, you know, and our guys kind of kind of get sick of it. But, uh, you know, I don't want to I don't want to have a coach led team. I don't want to micromanage every single thing. You know, those teams usually don't do well uh, because when you, you know, get thrown in the fire a little bit, they start looking for you to do something. And I hadn't won a game since, you know, 2000. I hadn't gotten anybody out since 2000. So I want our guys to be able to play free. I want them to play loose. Um, and that 2022 team took that to heart they bought into the process of you know going to work every day and not really playing the scoreboard just playing the game and uh if we were up 10 or down 10 they played the same and so um when the umpire said the game was over it was time for them to go do something else and have fun but man when the umpire said play ball i knew for however long it was you know how many pitches we had they weren't going to take pitches off and and they were man it was such a special group and you know, we when you're in the moment, you really don't realize how special it is. Um, and then as the head coach, uh, you know, when you do lose that get last game, your already mindset is moving on to, okay, what do we got to do to get back to carry? What do we got to do to win a World Series? So you don't really get to enjoy it. Um, but being able to talk to some of those guys over, you know, the last year or so and share some of those moments, uh, I'll be able to soak all that in, you know, through through time, of course, with those guys. But you know, talking about what it was like in the regular season, uh, the tournaments. I mean, regular season, uh, I knew we were going to be special just because we had a lot of adversity. We had a lot of injuries on the position player side that year. Uh, we look up and it's like rotating door, you know, in the outfield. And um, not one time did the guys waver. Like they were bought in, like whatever we decided to do lineup wise, they were bought in. They were playing for each other. Uh, and once once we saw that, we knew it was going to be a special group. And like I said, they were already competitive. Um, and then we rolled into, uh, I guess, the second to last weekend of the year, or maybe third to last weekend. We lose our game one guy, or our, our, the guy that we've been, you know, throwing out there game one. Uh, Jacob Womack ends up, you know, with Tommy John, and we lose him. And it's kind of like crap. Here we are again, man. We just got snake bit you know, cause felt like we had the team that had a chance to go to carry and make some noise and win a world series and, um, didn't know what it was going to look like there, you know, after that. Um, and so going into postseason play, we were still kind of looking for one more guy to step up on the mound to help us, uh, offensively. We took off, uh, Jeremy Adorno was lights out just like he had been all year long. Um, and then tons of memories made. We won 10 games in a row in postseason. ran through the Great American Conference Championship. Uh, had some magical moments here in Magnolia during the regional with come behind, come from behind wins, big home runs to you know walk people off, and and uh, huge outs from guys that you know really maybe haven't hadn't really shown that in the big setting. Uh, but in the big setting, they they really it was their their time to show out, and they did. And then um, of course the Super Regional, um, you couldn't write a script. Uh, if, if we turn that into Hollywood, they would probably tell us we were lying that they're not going to do it. But uh, being down five with two outs in the ninth inning and scoring seven uh, to punch our ticket to go to carry, uh, it's something that I'll never forget, you know, and uh, since chills down my spine just talking about it. So 
uh, it was it was definitely a special group, um, special team. Uh, man, we can't wait to get back there. Uh, but those guys, it was it was worth it to share it with them, with the relationships that we had built and uh, how they bought into our culture and what we were trying to do as a coaching staff and really just taking the team and, and making it a player-led team and, and being driven. It was excited to watch. I was excited every single day to watch those guys go to work. This was our first year to go to Cary for USA. I mean, Cary's an awesome town. Oh, it's amazing. It is. Man, it's, it's amazing. It's a perfect place. It's a perfect place to have something like that. Yeah, it is. And the people were great. Rolled out the red carpet, you know, for us. And I didn't really know what it was going to be like. I reached out to some coaches that I know, of course, at the Division Two level. And um, I said, okay, like, tell me a couple things that when you went your first time, like, what were you shocked by? What do I need to be prepared for? You know, this or that or whatever. And so some of those coaches, you know, were, were really good with, with reaching back to me as far as, hey, the ball doesn't carry as well there. The You know, the field's more of a graveyard. The humidity's thick, you know, all kinds of different things like that. And so uh, we had a little bit of an idea going into it. And then when we got there, you know, uh, like you said, Cary's an outstanding town. Uh, the people uh, from everywhere, from the bus line to the hotels, to the people at the stadium, to the ground screw guys, the ground screw guys are awesome. Uh, got a chance to meet those guys. And so it was a great experience. Um, you know, the bad thing is, is, you know, at, at Cary at the Division Two World Series, you get a chance to take your flag and you put it up on a pole. And uh, when you get beat, literally the third out, they're taking that thing down and going to fold it up and give it to you. And so um, that was, man, that was that was a tough time watching our flag come down, you know, from Cary and, and coming up short. But it was a really good year, and like I said, a lot of memories, a lot of relationships built, and, uh, man, it was a blast. So, real quick, on 2013, you know, you got a lot of guys back. Obviously, you had a great year, phenomenal year, 40 and 18. Um, even, I think, me and you had a talk before the year, and I was like, hey, I hate it for you because <laughs> this whole year, year y'all going to be fast forward. And I don't know if you remember me telling you this, but oh, I was yeah. like, hey, I already I can tell you, y'all gonna be waiting on May from from January. I mean, I yeah. just when we won it in twelve. I mean, in thirteen and fourteen, all everybody wanted to do was just wait for the regionals to get here. Yeah. Um, man, you had a great year. You beat a lot of people on the way. Lane College didn't stand a chance. Uh, <laughs> East, East Central couldn't get you out. A lot of uh, a lot of good wins. Uh, you, you look up. Really wanted to talk about this though. You get to the to the GAC conference. And you get beat game one, which is not normal for you right. guys. Um, right. Take me through that, especially for you, because you got a game. You had, you've been spoiled by game one winners, like you. Right. You've really you won game one a bunch. You then come back and win four in a row in very short days uh, to win the GAC tournament. Take me through that. In, hey, five, 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 five. Yeah, five in a row. Sorry. Don't cut us short. Don't cut yeah, us short. Yeah. Take me through that. Yeah, I mean, honestly. Um, we lost the game. We lost game one. Southeastern Oklahoma did a great job. Uh, you know, they got a couple of good swings off on Jeremy Adorno. We didn't hit, you know, and we didn't do what we needed to do. We made a defensive mistake that cost us a couple runs. It was honestly one of Jeremy's better games in 2023. And I, I don't know how many he struck out. I know he struck out like 11, 12, 13, something like that. 11. Yeah. yeah. And so it was one where – he threw really well, and we just – the supporting cast, we didn't take care of it, made a couple of uh, big miscues that they took advantage of, and um, they won it. You know, they beat us. And uh, going into the going into the office, um, 
it was tough, you know, just because your back's against the wall. We knew that there were more games to be played. Even if we would have gotten beat, we were going to be in the regional. Um, but on the other side of it, it's like, listen, man, like this is this is not how we roll. And uh, we're, we're going to take care of this. And the good thing is um, I looked in seniors' eyes when we're talking. And basically, if you could read their minds, they're like, we got this. We got this, you know. And so um, – challenge the guys um you know you mentioned riley or challenge you know a guy like him uh, brett mcgee and you know our leadership guys challenge those guys and uh, they rose to the occasion just like they did so many times in in sau jerseys and um able to go out and, and win two games and and do it in pretty good fashion uh and then go through the through the conference tournament and reel off those three games in a row, beat a good Henderson State team, beat Oklahoma Baptist team, and uh, be able to collect that championship where it deserves and, you know, deserves to be in Magnolia, Arkansas. Still don't understand the D2 regional process, and I may never will, but somehow you guys end up going to Joplin. Yeah, it makes um, two of us. It makes two of us. I mean, don't just, get me wrong. It, yeah. It don't make any sense to me. No, but it doesn't. I mean, I mean, it is what it is, but, I mean, they had a great team and good for them. Um, but it's hard for me to look up. I mean, I think Central Missouri was a no-brainer. They won their regular season. They won their conference championship. Um, I don't know. I, I just think championships need to matter, you know, and you look up and you have another team that's in your region that won the regular season and won the conference championship, and uh, all of a sudden they're playing on the road. Um, uh, I mean, it was probably splitting hairs as far as the committee and how they voted and everything like that, but it is, you know, it is a little frustrating, but – it is what it is, uh, whether we would have went to Missouri or, you know, South Dakota or it had been in Magnolia, Arkansas, you still got to play the game. You still got to line up and win the games. Yeah, it definitely matters. Though. You say what you want, but it, it damn sure matters. Oh, it does. Either way, you know, Mankato's a tough draw no matter where you play, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, the the crazy thing about Division Two baseball, and I learned this by watching you guys play, is the, the most random teams from the north are normally the – the, the random good teams. I mean, they yeah. might as well be, you know, and St. Augustine might as well be Division One baseball. Um, yeah, so, and so is SAU. But yeah, um, it's you know. it's one of those where those schools up there. I mean, there aren't a ton of really good Division Ones in their area, so they are kind of the Division One program. And the way that their conference schedule works, so with bad weather and everything, they're constantly playing on the road. I mean, I can't remember what year it was. It was either Augustana, Augustana or Mankato, one of the two that didn't play a home series. Uh, they were mm. meeting in like Nebraska and playing or here or there or whatever. So they're battle tested on the road. Uh, they play more games in a condensed form. And so those, they, they find out a little bit more about their pitchers because they have to be thrown in the fire, you know? And so, um, you always know you're going to run into those guys, um, both of those teams up there, even a St. Cloud. Uh, you talk about in, the, in that part of the region. And then, of course, Central Missouri is there every single year, it seems like. And so uh, this year, Missouri Southern had a really good run. And, and uh, you know, it, lining up against those guys, it was fun. Um, you know, got a chance to play, you know, Arkansas Tech one more time and uh, came out on top there as well. Well, that's what I'm getting to. So you dropped game one to Mankato. So now you're in the same spot that you were in the GAC tournament, yep. you know, two weeks before. You you got to feel good about it because you know you got the the horses to do it. Um, right. Obviously, you know, uh, you, you get to play the Wonder Boys. You feel good about that. But, unfortunately, 
Missouri Southern just maybe a little bit too much of a uh, too much of a uh, too much of a bad draw to double dip. You know, they yeah. might have had a piece too many to come back um, it, being the two seed compared it was. to yeah. It was a little tough, before. you know, as far as it's a great atmosphere up there. But, like, we took care of Arkansas Tech, and, um, you know, our starter went out, did a great job. Big Mike went out and um, pretty sure I think he threw a complete game and, and got the win. We were set up okay. Uh, Wyatt Marr pitched his butt off and actually, I think, went to the sixth or maybe threw six or whatever. I can't remember right off the top of my head, but he threw really, really well. We were in the game. Uh, we had bases loaded, two outs. They brought their closer in early in the game. Um, you know, if we hit a double right there instead of a ground ball or, you know, we get a break here or there, who knows what that game looks like. Uh, but it seemed like once we went to the bullpen, we couldn't get anybody out. You know, guys that had thrown really well for us, you know, all year long, um, all, all of a sudden started maybe missing out over the middle of the plate. Um, some guys maybe started pressing a little bit and, uh, it is what it is. Like I said, you know, we lined up, they beat us, um, tip my hat to those guys. And, uh, then of course, um, you know, Mankato goes through and, uh, ends up winning that thing and, and going to the super against Augustana. Well, a year from now, we'll do another podcast and we'll talk about how you guys, you know, just went back to carry. So that'd be awesome. Yeah, I'm going so. to hold you to that. I'm going to hold you to that. You know, since, well, since you, since you gave me a hard time about it, it was such a hard time to get me on here, you know, a lot of those power five guys, you know, they're not coaching 10 U baseball during the summer either. So, you know, I'm, I've got my, I've got my nine-year-old running all over the place and, and chasing him and chasing my seven-year-old, you know, with what she does. And so, um, you know, I like to, well, I like on the bright tell, side, we're not far away from him playing for the sticks. If that makes hey, you feel better. Hey, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So he needs uh, he to, he to, needs to get, a, he needs to get a little bigger and stronger right now. He's really good defensively and he throws strikes and he understands the game, but he needs to get a little bigger and stronger. Hopefully, hopefully he'll hit a growth spurt here pretty quick and uh, we'll see how that goes. But man, it, it's fun chasing them, watching them what do what they love. Um, you know, they chase me all the time. My wife is uh, my rock, just an absolute rock star with doing everything that she does there. There should be a special place in heaven for coaches, wives, and, uh, you know, for real, uh, just my, I'm blessed every single day with, with what God's blessed me with, with my family. And, and my wife does an outstanding job of basically raising our two kids when I'm, um, you know, working. And, uh, I've got a few months during the winter and a few months during the summer where I really get to chase them and, and really be involved. And, you know, other than that, it's tough and she does a lot on her own. So, uh, commend her for sure on this. Well, we, we... We appreciate her for letting her son play with the sticks, and you know we we, we love a lot of sticks miles. Well, I want to I want to wrap it up and get you out of here. We're very, we're very appreciative for you coming on the show. We end every show with a, a couple of questions. Before okay. I get to these last two questions, um, we always uh, I always like to ask a coach two questions before I get to the last questions. But um, I, I want to ask you, uh, give me let's take Hayden Simpson out of this. Give me the best player you've this could be anybody who didn't sign uh, went to a D1 and then give me the best player you've ever coached man best player I've ever recruited I don't I don't know I, I mean I, I like watching big league games and watching guys that are recruited and they're I mean Jordan Romano I mean Romano that closed you know closes for uh, you know Toronto right now he was a Connor State guy we recruited him he ended up going to Oral Roberts 
Uh, there's a bunch of guys, man. Uh, it's a lot easier for me to say who are the best players that I've recruited. You know, Cannon Lester, you know, uh, it's kind of a no-brainer there. I mean, he was one of my first recruits, and, uh, you know, he came in and pretty much wrote the record book. Uh, Brett McGee, you know, Trevor Rucker, those, I mean, of course, uh, David Harris, uh, shoot, pitching-wise. Great player. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I, I wish we would have had him for another year, uh, but absolutely great player that, you know, for one year put up crazy numbers with us. But Hayden Simpson, you know, got a chance to – but James Bond was a right-handed pitcher in mm-hmm. you know, uh, 2011, 12, and 13, drafted by the Dodgers. Uh, Justin Thomas, uh, Eric White, Nick Starr. Uh, man, you Jan- know, there's – Jansen Carr. Jans- oh, yeah, yeah. Don't forget, you know, Jansen Carr, man. If it wasn't for an injury, we'd probably be watching him, uh, to be honest, watch him on TV as well. So there's there's been a lot of great players, you know, come through. Me and my, me and my wife were flying to Hawaii not long ago. Yeah, We were all in, and uh, the, it's like we're on the 6 a.m. flight, and the lady goes, oh, it's so glad that you uh, – so glad that you guys showed up. She goes, the computer, in 45 seconds, it cuts off. Nobody else will be able to get off. So I just randomly go like, how oh, there was like two more cars pulling in behind. And she's like, they'll never be able to get off. I mean, we give her all our stuff. No, 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 no. Next thing here, I know somebody's grabbing me from behind. I mean, Jansen and his wife. <laughs> I mean, the lady's like, oh, baby. She goes, you showed up too late. I mean, it was awesome. I'm like, yep. y'all done missed the damn flight to Hawaii. Yeah, he, pro- he probably ran harder from his car to the flight than he used to run the farm road out here. So, um, oh, yeah. Anyway, so. It, was, it was awesome. I imagine <laughs> you and your wife would miss the flight to Hawaii. I mean, what an awesome oh. way to start your trip. Yeah, uh, if it, I miss it, my flight was, to Hawaii, there's no telling no telling what she would do. That's what I mean, it was awesome. They ended up letting them on, but the lady was like, she had to call American Airlines. She was like, oh, the computer, the computer <laughs> won't let us on. That was the most Jansen car thing ever. It was awesome. Yep. I so believe. anyway, what you're saying is every player but John Phillips is who you're listening. Man, that's, that's I, awesome. I, I can't. I, I I had to recruit John Phillips like 800 times. It felt like you know. So John, John won't listen, so it don't matter. Anybody that yeah. don't listen, I don't care about. It, it yeah. don't matter. No, man, John. John's one of my favorite guys. Got a chance to obviously coach him and then work with him, um, and then watch him do what he's been able to do. But um, you know, text back and forth with him during the years as well, and so. Yeah, he's a he, he's a fun one. I'm still waiting to get on the golf course with John. I haven't been able to do it yet, so I, I can't. Mean, he's wait awful. To, I, I'm I'm gonna say that he's probably got a slice from that slow bat speed that he used to have, and just slap the ball into left field. So I he's probably got a, he's probably got a pretty good slice, you know, to go with I that. I bet he wears a knee brace out there. If I had to guess. <laughs> Hey, right, he, coach, I think see. he was the first player in my coaching career that didn't have to throw the ball across the infield the entire fall. So. He uh he he was one he uh he 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 I like John a lot you know his his mom used to take us to Legion games he uh I only went to one game when when Trout was at TC I went and watched him play one day and it was like the first inning when I walk up and Trout throws his helmet against Eastern and he yep. shatters his scully and uh, we're talking in between <laughs> games and I was like I was like what happened and he goes Phillips didn't slide at second yep. and I was like damn you broke your scully. Be- in the first inning, because I feel that's awesome. Anybody that's ever coached Phillips knows how awesome that is. It's just hilarious. oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, but anyway, and he's got a bad knee anyway. He's got two bad knees, so it's just yes, funny. Yes, he does. Uh, yep. But anyway, man, we wrap up every episode with what I call five moments of truth. You can answer these as uh, as 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 deep or as short as you want. 
you know, I, I just think it's important for every successful friend that I have to answer these questions. Question one, give me the best advice you've ever received and who gave it to you? Oh man, best advice. Uh, I would, I would just have to say again, going back to my dad, um, you know, telling me to work for everything that I want because nobody's going to give it to you. Um, you know, go out there and earn it and, you know, just how do you want to be remembered? You know? And so uh, I would say, I would say him and, and those people, those pieces of advice from him. You mean the biggest mentor you've ever had? Uh, again, my dad, um, you know, and, uh, Perry Keith getting me into coaching. Uh, but really, I mean, even a guy, a guy like coach gum, just what I owe to him, uh, really for me being at Southern Arkansas, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here. And so those guys right there, just down the, down the chain, those three guys have meant a, meant a lot to me in my, in my life and my coaching career. Give me the best up and coming coach in your profession. I mean, it's not even close, Jacob Caples. I mean, oh, he's, yeah, no doubt, hundred yeah, percent. It's not even close. I think, I think he's a, a guy that. Don't get me wrong. I want to keep him in Magnolia as long as I can, but I, I wouldn't be shocked to look up and see him be a you know power five hitting coach or uh, even at the professional level soon. Yeah, Jacob. Jacob's awesome. Give me your uh, professional and personal goals for the rest of twenty twenty three. Man, personal goals and professional goals. Um, well, I mean, right now, my first goal is to try to help my son's team win a 10U Dixie World Series. Uh, so that is, that's what's on my mind right now. Um, professional goals, uh, I mean, wins are going to take care of themselves, but just building relationships, um, you know, with this team that's coming in, uh, building relationships with them and their families uh, and making tons of memories. I, I know that sounds really uh, hallmark momentish, I guess you would say, but that's kind of that. That's the truth. So, I started this podcast to be a part of change, Coach, and and I know you're one that really believes in change and mm -hmm. you know being a mentor and just you know leaving this whole place better than we found it. So, the last question I like to leave every podcast with is kind of how can we change, inspire, and motivate uh, to kind of leave this whole place better than we found it. So this is just kind of open ended question to you know, yep. kind of exit the podcast on however you want to exit to see fit to, to kind of make this world a better place. Yeah. I mean, really for me is, I mean, the relationship with Jesus Christ starts it all uh, for me and being able to do that, share the gospel with people, uh, put people in a position that have never heard it to grow spiritually, um, investing in people, you know, as well and investing in relationships being able to build those relationships that are going to last for a lifetime. I think those are, those are the two things for me that I, I try to t try to do on a daily basis. And don't get me wrong. We try to win as many games as we can and, you know, fun and everything with that. But for me, I was just talking to some parents today. Uh, I want to look up 10, 15 years from now and know that when guys come back, yes, they can look out on that board and see championships, but I want them to say, man, coach, some of the things that you guys did, uh, with your program and and just basically the character that you showed, you show me what it was like to be a good husband. You show me what it was like to be a good father and a good Christian man. And and you know this is my wife and this is my kids. I want to introduce you to them and and you know some of the things that you guys did in your in our program. I'm using that in my family today. And so uh, really, you know, 
we have people that pour into us on a daily basis. And man, I would just say pour into as many people as you can and see if you can make their experience as well as your experience better every single day. Well, coach, I definitely, definitely, definitely appreciate you. I can't thank you enough. I know, I know you wanted to come on the show, but I know you're a little hesitant. I hope it met all the goals. I hope I was a much better interviewee than you thought, and I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> I did, uh, man. I did. And well, it, it's one of those things. I love talking baseball. I love talking the history. Uh, I love all that, those things. And so I didn't want you to think anything about me not wanting to be on there because, like you said, I do, I do want to be able to talk about the history of SAU and talk about the great players and men that – have come through here and the relationships that were built, but uh, no, you did an outstanding job, man. I loved every minute of it. Well, I, I think, you know, listen, it's important for me that the world, at least that tunes in and I hope a million people listen, uh, know your story. Cause you're one of my favorites and it's easy when you coach in the SEC or, you know, you coach in, in pro ball to know who guys are, but the world needs to know who Justin Pedigree is because you do a good job, and, and at least in my opinion, and it's my show, and that's all that, ma- that's all yeah. that matters. So uh, <laughs> I appreciate listen, that, man. I do. I, I, I love you, and, and we appreciate all you guys do. And, again, I can't thank you enough. And if I could ever help in any way, please let me know. Yeah, for sure, man. Love you too, brother. Thank you. Thanks, Coach. He conducted himself like a knucklehead. Double the case.